I don't love you anymore. Since when? Now. Just now. I don't want to lie. I can't tell the truth, so... It's over. It doesn't matter. I love you. None of it matters. Too late. I don't love you anymore. Goodbye. Here's the truth. So now you can hate me. Larry fucked me all night. I enjoyed it. I came. I prefer you. Now go. I knew that. He told me. You knew? I needed to hear it from you. Why? Because he might have been lying. I had to hear it from you. I would never have told you because I know you'd never forgive me. I would. I have. Why did he tell you? Because he's a bastard. How could he? Because he wanted this to happen. But why test me? Because I'm an idiot. Yes. I would have loved you forever. Now, please go. Don't do this, Alice. Talk to me. I am talking. Fuck off. No, I'm sorry. You misunderstand. I didn't mean yes, to. Yes, you did. I love you. Where? What? Show me. Where is this love? I... I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. I can hear it. I can hear some words, but I can't do anything with your easy words. <laughs> Whatever you say, it's too late. Please, don't do this. It's done. Now, please go or I'll call security. podcast that's right i love doing this show happy trails to all of you that means goodbye actually uh good evening to you or good morning good tidings a spirited welcome to you all it's cinema nine cinema nine pot of protonmail.com cinema nine is hosted by myself michael govier travis roy eric branstrom travis roy you're one of the hosts of the show how do you feel about it and so it is that i feel pretty good i feel pretty good about this yeah. <laughs> i feel great i feel grand 
even though yeah. we're going to talk about Closer, the 2004 <laughs> film that has a lot of serious oh, scenes. I feel like there may have been parts of this movie that I may have thought were funny when I was when I was younger. Really? You know? And but there is but there is like one funny scene. I don't know. It's a it, I'll, obviously we'll save it. But yeah, I'm, I'm I've got a lot to say about it. I'm I'm chomping at the bit. Champion. I'm champion at the bit. Excuse me. Champ is chomping. All right. Yes, we'll not cover. Does champing. it hold up or not? Our signature segment in the middle of this show later on. Closer, 2004 film by Mike Nichols. Eric Branstrom in Griffith, Indiana. It's Thursday. It's 7.15 Eastern time. 6.15 your time. How has Daylight Savings Time impacted you? Dude, it's fucking amazing. I'm on spring break here, so I've, I've got the whole week off. So Yay. I've been watching so many movies. I'll get up at like 5 in the morning because my daughter wakes up. and watch. I'll watch like a movie by like, like 6.50 a.m. It's been unreal. My eyeballs are killing me. I've stuffed so <laughs> many in that I'm uh, excited to talk about. That's great. That's beautiful. I, I remember the spirited joy of a vacation as a teacher. Those were great times. They really were. And you never wanted them to end. And you really took it. At least I I mostly never did anything. I stayed at home, watched movies like you. And I did go to Vegas once. That was fun. That was a good time. But I'm so happy for you. Eric, remember we went to Vegas that first time? And I ate like four prime ribs. That was a Who lot could of prime forget? Remember the eclair? Who could forget the uh, Vegas eclair? <laughs> Yes, the overpriced eclair in a fucking yeah, display yeah. case in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> Vegas. Such a dump. Something Shoot. in Vegas was overpriced? Yeah, yeah. yeah Vegas is uh, I Vegas is pretty gross, actually. I don't think I recommend it, but we've had some good yeah. times there. Well, I've never been. It, it, seems like, it seems like the Fast and the Furious of the cities. <laughs> yes, it is. I think that's very much true. But so we'll I've never seen have, that either. They've got, I've never seen one of those, by the way. Uh, I've seen scenes that exist on the internet, but I've never sat down and watched a Fast and Furious film. Good. And I know there's nine of them, 10? <laughs> 19. 19. Oh, See, I was 19 incorrect. of them. Yeah. yeah. But we'll yeah. always have Ellis Island karaoke, Eric. See, yeah. Vegas yes, will never will. suck only because Ellis Islands exist and they have great karaoke at Ellis Island. Right. And of course, tribute to Rest Fred. Peace, Mumbles. Yeah, is he dead? I think Fred passed away. He dressed up like he, sometimes he would dress up like Elvis. He always did Elvis songs. This guy was so bizarre. And it's oh, I can see it now. It was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. So thank you for that, Vegas. At least you gave us that. But this show's not about Vegas. It's about movies. And we wanted to say farewell to Jessica Walter. She was probably best known for her Arrested Development character, which is a TV show, but she was also in movies. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is PCU. I can't think of a lot of other movie roles that come to mind with her, frankly, but she definitely, she paid her dues and she is a legend because that character on Arrested Development will always be, like, iconic. It really is an iconic, I think it's an iconic uh, character now. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, shout out to George Seagal. Seagal? Seagal? Oh yes, Seagal? George! I've never known. I've never known. Yeah. Is it Seagull or Seagull? I thought probably I thought it was Seagull. Seagull. I thought it was Seagull. Seagull. Anyways, so shout out to him. Yeah, um, a lot of people also, died. Yeah, uh, you know, he, he was in films more in the 70s, stuff I haven't really seen. But, you know, California he was out, Split? Uh, I, I know that Luke likes some of the stuff that he, or a friend of the show, Luke, likes some show some stuff that he did but uh, from the 70s. So I hear that he did some good stuff. But to me, he was, you know, he'll always be the guy from the Goldbergs and uh just shoot me, which I liked him very much in both those roles. So, adios. Thank you. You know, we're talking Mike Nichols today, and my favorite George Siegel role is Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, 1966. I think you yeah, got the supporting 
Yeah, best supporting nom there. He's fucking awesome in it. And it's another four piece based on a play character drama about tumultuous relationships. See it if if you're if you're inclined to. Well, it's yeah, it's classic piece of cinema. It's Mike Nichols. Um, you know, Siegel just passed. I should probably uh, go ahead and put that one. Uh, put that one under under my viewing. Okay, I should do a thing. I think the first time I ever saw George Siegel was in Look Who's Talking. That was my first introduction <laughs> to him as a kid. He was that annoying guy who banged Kirstie Alley and created the child that becomes Bruce Willis. Is that him? Voice. He was in that. That is George Siegel. It's been a while. The first time I ever heard his whining, like, wah, wah. he's great in Flirting with Disaster. That's just him. He plays that character so oh, well. Yeah, he was in that. You know? Him and Mary Tyler Moore as extremely neurotic, not foster parents, they're adopted parents of Ben Stiller's character. That's that's a funny movie, and he's he's good at comedy. I'll give George Siegel that, and that's it. That's that's all I have to say about him. If he was a rock-solid actor, you know, he's right there. He, he wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he was good. It's real good. Reliable. Yeah, reliable. yeah, yeah him, reliable. Eight, him, him and Jessica Walters both. They, you know, they left a good mark. So. Oh shit! And we didn't say this last week, and I forgot to mention. It, but Yafit Koto had passed last week, and Yafit Koto definitely deserves his due. He's in a lot of classic films, but he's also a guy with a lot of integrity. And actually, our friend Luke, uh, Luke Horbeck, who we just mentioned, who's been a guest on this show, he said it better than probably any of us could on our "Is It Safe" pod. He, he did like a whole tribute to him last week, like a five-minute. Everybody be quiet editorial, which I didn't know we were going to do, but it was really quite beautiful. And he was a huge fan of Yafit Koto. So anybody uh, want to chime in on Mr. Koto's passing? Uh, if you Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just surprised. Luke, Luke actually went on too long on his own on a podcast? <laughs> you don't say. Oh, man. Oh, I He's not going to like that. <laughs> uh, if you've never seen Blue Collar, we've talked it up on the show many a time. So I'm not going to Who directed go. that? Uh, this guy, Paul Schaefer, Schrader, Schaefer, Schroeder, Scheider, Paul, Sh- Paul Scheider, Mr. Scheidler, Paul Scheidler. Directed Paul Scheidler. Um, <laughs> but no, if you've never seen, if you've never seen Blue Collar, give it a shot. Paul Scheidler. Um, yes. Uh, I like the laugh track to the yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, yes. most people think of it as a yeah. dude from Alien. Which, of course, Alien is classic, but uh, yeah, check out Blue Collar. Running that's Man, uh, people mention Running Man, which he's oh, fucking right. right. Yeah, yeah, forgot about that one. Luke gets pissed if you mention Running Man, by the way. So that's not why he it's an American classic. Yeah, he mentioned two films that I one I had never Blue Collar we have seen, but the other one's called Bone. Has anyone ever seen Bone that he's in? Nay. I've never seen it either, so I thought I would throw it out there. It sounds like a deeper cut, but it's supposed to be really good, according to Luke. So All if right. you're a fan of Yafet Koto, Go back, check the catalog. He was uh, also on Homicide. He yeah. did some good work there on a TV show that actually wasn't no that bad. Yeah. No, Midnight Run. Midnight Run is fantastic. And oh, Brubaker, yeah. Bob Redford film, great character actor. Rest and then peace. he and then he clearly just like retired and enjoyed the last several decades of his life and and power to him. Yeah, uh, Luke mentioned that he was asked to be in Glory, the 1989 film about oh. the first Black Regiment in the Civil War, but he refused because the movie was focused on the white men. So, which he's not okay. necessarily wrong about the Robert Shaw characters, but it's not solely like that. I think that's kind of a. I don't want to debate that necessarily, but <sighs> yeah, I mean, he's not it, wrong. We'll get to it. Uh, yeah. I'm sure, we'll get around to it. But I do want to, if I may, a uh, quick shout out to a friend of the show, Chad. And this is an inside joke, but I must. The answer is Yafet Koto. He'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Nobody else will, but we could, at least we're not talking about some fucking uh, mumbler in Vegas again. Or that's going to take up too many questions. Where's Laskowski? Laskowski loves mumbles. If Laskowski was here, he'd be loving it. But he's I, not, I'm so. sure. Uh, yeah, but for those, anyways. So, um, so people die. Anymore, yes, anybody else die? Uh, I don't know. Not at the moment. Let me know if someone else died. But yes, let's get into our quarantine viewing picks because it's time to talk movies we've been watching and that we'd like to recommend to you. That's what we do here on the Cinema Nine Pod. Travis Roy, give us your best. Ooh, um, my best. I, you know, it wasn't a great week for movies, to be honest with you. I, I, had, so, I had some not so great ones. There's some okay stuff. Um, Cage of Files, I'm a little worried about our boy, uh, Jiu Jitsu, this new <laughs> film that uh, Nick Cage has. It's like it's on the top 10 on, in Netflix right now. So people are watching this movie, Jiu Jitsu. But it's like under three. It's rated under three on IMDb, and I'm a you know if you know I'm a fan. This movie might be a career worst. This is this is a really spectacularly bad movie, and it's so bad, and that so many people are w- watching it actually kind of for the first time makes me a little worried that people might be like, I'm fucking like it might like actually hurt his career for once. I don't know. At least they're not paying for it. It's fucking Netflix. I mean, they're paying for Netflix, but you know, or their ex girlfriend is or whatever. <gasps> um, so I wouldn't recommend jujitsu. Which, by the way, there is actual jujitsu in the movie one time, <laughs> and Nick Cage does it. But the rest of the time, it's like swords and all this other shit. I'm like, all right, this is not this is not jujitsu. Um, uh, I watched um, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance at your recommendation, oh, okay. Eric. Okay. Um, that was totally Ooh. worth the view. I, I, I liked Great. it more than old boy. You were right. Well, awesome. It was, it was good. It was, it was totally interesting. I finally watched Great. mud from 2012. I, I never watched it because I and, mud. and I, and I know mud. it's like so highly regarded. I've watched like other, every other Jeff Nichols movie. Um, but I was like, this is the same movie as this, as this movie called the boys club from like the nineties that had Chris Penn in it. And like, Archers of Loaf on the soundtrack. So it's, it's like the exact same plot. So I was always like, I don't know, bro. But of course, I watched it and Mud was significantly better than that 90s movie. Um, That's good news. I watched a good Nick Cage uh, movie called Rage from, from 2014. This is definitely one of those kind of like, you know, it's a little shitty. It is a little shitty. Um, <laughs> a little shitty. But but uh, it's it's pretty intense. It's a revenge movie. And it's just like you just watch this dude go off the fucking rails. And it's just and like. There's, you know, this again, like it's a Nick Cage movie from recent years. So temper your expectations. It's not adaptation, but I mean, there, cause there's, there's this guy that, like, that looks just like fucking Mike Ditka. It's so distracting, but uh, anyways, it is worth, it, it is worth checking out uh, rage. If you, if you were <laughs> looking for a decent Nate, you know, Nick Cage late night film um, yeah. over the moon, the net, the Netflix uh, feature gave Soul a mon- run for its money for best animated feature of the oh. year. It's also nominated. It was really really good. Okay. Um, th- especially the technical achievements. I mean, it looks. I mean, honestly, it looks better than Soul. The the movies I don't think is as good as Soul, but it looks incredible. I really wish I'd seen it on the big screen, but it, it wouldn't have been an option anyways because it's Netflix. Moons over Miami. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> over the moon. Um, I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League. Have you heard of this film? Oh, oh the Snyder cut or the original? <laughs> there we go. Uh, there we go. Did, did everyone watch it? Yeah, I no, I haven't it. seen the Snyder cut yet. I got to see it. So give me another week. I'm pretty All sure right. I'll get it done. All right. Well, you know, no spoilers, anyways. But um, I will say that like everyone knew or assumed that it would be better than the Whedon cut because I mean, like the bar was so low because yeah. that was just like such a mess. Um, this was significantly better as expected. 
but of course it was. I mean, it's four hours long. You, you got to pace it in a way that made sense. Like, and Whedon would never have had that shot. They were not going to make this a four hour movie in the first place. So like, I, I, you know, so like, I don't know how much praise to heap on him and it still manages to go off the fucking rails by the end. So I don't know, Um, but (laughs) it is, it it is, it is really good. It's, you know, not as good as any Marvel movie, but it's still not. Wait, wait, wait. So it's good, but it's not as good as any Marvel movie. It's it's better than, the first better than the dark world it's better than dark world world, yeah the dark world is better than the first avenger okay and we'll leave it at that it's better than than ang lee (laughs) you know ang lee's incredible it's better than the incredible hulk um the uh the one that i'm going to recommend everybody watch especially you eric if you didn't watch it which i've already recommended to you over our phone text uh thread is the last blockbuster the documentary on netflix right now this i mean now if you worked at blockbuster fucking forget about it like you were gonna love this movie it's gonna be a time warp for you it's gonna be like delving back in you're gonna you're gonna be csr number one five six 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 or whatever you were again that was me but um you're gonna you're gonna be like plugged right back into it in a fun way and like it's funny because everyone like they are interviewing like celebrities and stuff they're talking about like it's being a blockbuster employee would have been the coolest and best job of all time it's good lord yeah, I mean, it didn't pay good, but it was a pretty fucking great job. Um, what if you so went to Blockbuster a lot? Is it enjoyable? That was that was where I was going to go next. Is that yeah? Even even if you weren't an employee there, like it's, you're still going to have a lot of fun. You're gonna it's gonna it's I mean like obviously wait leaning heavily on nostalgia, it's total Netflix propaganda, trying to make sure that you understand that Netflix has nothing to do with the destruction of that company, which is probably a little bit <laughs> true or mostly true. I don't know, but regardless of all that noise, it is a totally entertaining watch and it really fast i mean it's like an hour and 20 or something so definitely throw that one on like to be entertained you don't have to be like in, you don't have to be in like documentary mode like it's entertaining and that's it there it is okay There's so let it. it be written so let it be done that was uh interesting i'm oh. definitely gonna want to watch that blockbuster doc because i love blockbuster i had so many great memories so many good times blockbuster music never got its due but at least <laughs> Blockbuster is getting its own documentary. Wonderful news. Yeah. I had to believe oh. that uh, there was a certain time in the world where, like, if you wanted to watch a movie, you'd go there. And if it was out, you just had to, like, go home and you couldn't watch it. Yeah, that's it. You're screwed. <laughs> like, it's like fun. having limited availability of things made you appreciate it more. And Absolutely. then more like owning yeah. things or being able to physically hold things made you appreciate them more. Yeah. As if that were the case. It's a good point. Yeah, so true. All right, well, so you've Christ. been watching a lot of movies on spring break, man. Let's hear about it. Yeah, let's hear Where it. Where do I start? Well, I'll start with Justice League. See, I didn't see, I never saw, I didn't bother with Justice League 2017, so I was going into the extended cut completely fresh, man. Oh. So, uh, I mean, so you you just bypassed, like, the Wendy's burger that sat in the backseat of someone's car for two days and instead went for, like, filet mignon, basically. I really did. <laughs> and uh, I would send the filet mignon back because I hated the extended cut. <laughs> I hated the Snyder cut. I I was bored the entire time. I don't like this. I do respect for anyone that likes it. Okay. If it's your thing, cool. I'm glad that a lot of people got what they wanted, which was a cut that they felt was worthy of the filmmaker's original vision. I don't like Zack Snyder's vision of these characters. I find I hate what he does. I don't like what he does to Superman. He just makes them this morose dick Uh-oh. for like three movies. It's just not my cup of, cup of tea. So I, I, I didn't I like Cyborg. Movie. I mean, I thought Cyborg, what they did with Cyborg was from was what great. I understand, they developed him a lot, a lot better and actually gave him they developed him, period. Give me my all American Superman back, please. The one who hey, kicks right. ass and doesn't like immigrants. 
<laughs> oh, is that is that what Chris that, Reeve? That has never been the case anywhere. Oh, Superman is an immigrant. He's 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 created by immigrants. Oh! So part of the whole point, yeah, of is, or, or the children of immigrants is like is part of the whole point of Superman is like to prove the importance oh. of immigrants in the American culture, which you knew I that already. Was, yeah, Mike, I come Superman on was about defending American values. I'm sorry, <laughs> my fault. So I must Mike, have read the wrong you're, magazine. Dude, you're canceled, Mike. You would like this uh, doc I watched on HBO, the Bee Gees: How to Mend a Broken Heart. It's fucking oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely on Max only, out. though, right? Is it on Max, not just HBO? Is that I right? believe that might be the case. Yeah, yeah that's why I haven't been around to it. Talk, we'll talk later. I watched a documentary by Alex Winter, of course, played uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire called Showbiz Kids. It's about child actors. Seen it. Seen it. Uh, I, I dug it. I dug it. Rock I think, solid. You know, could have benefited from some of the heavy hitters like McCall Culkin and, you know, Feldman, but it it, it says what it says in, in a nice, uh, put together way. I, I recommend it. Okay. Um, Crip Camp. So I checked in with Crip Camp on Netflix, and uh, I thought, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, could have been a little shorter, but definitely, uh, I, I like how it highlighted how you know folks with disabilities what they had to deal with before the Disabilities Act was approved in in the early seventies. It was just fucking nonsense. They couldn't they couldn't go anywhere. They weren't appreciated. And this is a nice time capsule type movie that that shows you uh, the struggle they went through. Um, less than zero. I fucking checked back in with Less Than Zero, but Noah's film. I'm a fan. I dig this movie, man. I like the feel. I like the direction. I think the performances are good. Bob Downey Jr., Jamie Gertz, of course. Of course. Good God, what a woman. It's actually, yeah. I think it kind of holds up. I mean, not that we're going to do it on the show, but I think yeah. with time, it's not as It got shit on in its era, and it's not yeah. that bad. Hang, yeah, hang on. I mean, I'm sorry. For the people, to interrupt, especially for people that are like sure. listening and not looking, but like... Mike's background is like he's between Clive Owen and Natalie <laughs> Portman, so it's just like it looks like he's about to get kissed on the cheek get by both of their both faces. <laughs> it's very funny to look at this whole time. Very sweet. Uh, so just imagine, you know, like her in the pink wig, <laughs> and like, go, he's in a threesome with them as we do this podcast. <laughs> Carry on. I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, man, I did Mike's end up watching. Uh, I ended up watching One Night in Miami, and um, I, oh, I gotta man. say, I I thought the film was okay. Uh, I. I was hoping it would would have been a little bit more better, and in fact, more I gotta say, yeah, more better is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought the performance by uh, the fellow who played Jim Brown mm -hmm. uh, was by far the standout performance uh, for this film. Even though we got we got a nice cast and uh, kind of a kind of a flimsy script, but I, I did like the the picture. Um, Overall, I gotta say, all this Hodge played Jim Brown. All this Hodge, yeah, he he was fucking fantastic. I mean, everybody uh, was great, but yeah, you're right, he was. Yeah, great. he he definitely so. Um, I gotta say, I I saw Minari, and I thought it was just a gorgeous, beautiful, moving picture that I would definitely recommend. I think it's worth the twenty dollars, to be honest with you guys, uh, to pull the trigger because it's just one of these just nice trim sweet movies about family and immigrants coming from here from south korea to make their own life it takes place in you know reagan's 80s america where they didn't uh -oh. have much of a chance anyway yeah. but they do their best and it's just a gorgeous portrait of a family yeah i'm like a week away from being officially fully vaccinated and that's in theaters i think i might make that yeah. my uh i'm gonna save 20 oh, bucks or you know i'll spend 14 bucks yeah and that would be uh, fucking great. i think i'm gonna see that one in theaters yeah, wow. I, you're going I to the theater. Going, you got to give us a full report, yeah, by the way. Oh, fuck yeah, I'm vaccinated. First thing I'm doing is going to a theater. 
So by far my favorite. Uh, well, I'll tell you one more that I fucking thought was fantastic. You guys have to see uh, Uncle Frank on uh, Amazon Prime. Sorry, I already recommended it. I already recommended it on the show. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I, my short term memory is fucked. I thought this was fucking fantastic. Great. I don't know where Paul Bettany is not getting like uh, at least a nomination. He was so sublime in this movie. And I don't normally care for Alan Ball, but I love the script. I love the direction, the performance. It's a beautiful movie. It was a lot more subdued, I think, than some. You know, there was no vampires, for instance. But I mean, like it was. It was. <laughs> it was just. It was just a little. It was just a lot more life. It was like life. Yeah. It was very, yeah. um, very believable. It was a nice mm-hmm. little film. Beautiful, that great, is honest so picture. <laughs> and I, I, I warned you guys. It just you know, after we talked about our favorite films and the Oscars, of course, I finally end up seeing Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it so much. I almost just watched it again right when it was over. You said you loved the script. You texted me. Surprised. I was blown the fuck away, and by far the best performance I've seen all year is. Mark Rylance as uh, the counselor. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know where great. the Academy was with that. He's fucking amazing. I love this movie so much. It's Sorkin's best work, period. Wasn't it Travis? Or if you didn't say it, someone else told me Eddie Redmayne does not belong in this film. He just does not cast properly. It doesn't <sighs> that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. me. I, I actually like him in the movie. So he, he's okay, okay. So it definitely wasn't you. Yeah, yeah. wasn't me. Um, if I may, uh, two may. more. Let him go. Is is a thriller that's just starting to make the rounds. Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Leslie Ooh. Manville, fucking awesome thriller. Harkens back to old lean '90s pictures, like um, some early Carl Franklin stuff. I loved it. I thought oh. it was fucking like, hard boy. It reminds me of, like Taylor Sheridan's movies, Heller High Water, and uh, Wind River. Officer just, and a Gentleman. Sh- no, not not that one, Mike. But uh, I think you guys would really like this film. Uh, and after that, I just saw Time earlier today, the documentary, Travis. Oh, yeah, I watched, I watched that as well. What'd you think? I love the photography, the music, uh, the <laughs> overall. He's grasping his straws when he goes right to the photography and the music. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, just it's VHS with black about. and white for most of it, so I don't know what you're well, talking about. <laughs> well, you, you, so stuff, is, in present, stuff in present day is shot right, no, gorgeously. There is but, some really beautiful shots. You're right. This is a kind of a tricky one to talk about because overall, I, I I like the you know indomitable nature of humanity being free and out in the world. But I got some problems with this story. Look, I mean, the, the yeah, the, it's the reason I didn't bring it up is because it's an, an Academy Award nominated movie that deals with a subject that I agree with the premise. Like, I agree with what the premise of the film is saying. Like, there's a yes. there's a very clear thesis statement being made here, and I agree with it. Um, I don't like the way it was delivered. I don't like the, the, the way I, I, it, I found a lot of it pretty grating, honestly, like it just, uh, and by the time the end of the movie came, it just, I mean, it felt very anticlimactic and, um, I, it was, it was, and I was just kind of glad that it was done. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, like I, don't shoot me. I totally appreciate what they're saying. Yeah, um, no, I know it's it's. I we got to stop like making those jokes. Honestly, like that we can't like th- that we're always going to be canceled if we if we say anything controversial because obviously <laughs> yeah, like that. that's that is just silly. Like we you know, but we're human beings, right? And everyone's allowed to have their opinions, and I'm allowed to not like this movie. But I admit it does make me like as a yeah. white dude. A part of yeah. me 
feels like I should be like, well, fuck, I hope no one thinks I'm not like, you know, you know, don't unpunch my liberal card. But I just felt like th throughout the movie, I'm just like, fuck, lady. Like, I mean, like, how long do you think he should have been in jail for holding up yeah. people with a gun? Like that, yeah, like, exactly. I mean, like 60 years is too long. I agree. I agree. But like, do you think he should have been let go the next day? Because I don't. No remorse. Zero remorse. <laughs> you guys want to replace uh, Colson and do this movie today? Sorry, good. <laughs> I mean, you talk about. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not afraid to. I'm, I joke when I say I get canceled, but uh, you know, I think it is important for us to be honest about some of these movies because there's great messages out there. Like a movie like uh, I tried to watch the uh, the Billy Holiday film. I was fucking bored. I, I turned it off, and and it's probably an important movie to watch because of this. No, this character. Uh, a lot of people said this. It was no. boring. No, I, I said the same thing on the show before. Just I mean, the the, the yeah. story is important. Like it's like what happened to her is a, an important story. They it's mismanaged. I I think they that went Lee a Daniels, different direction, right? I think Lee Daniels is not a very good director. I think that the yeah. performance was great, but uh, I don't I don't Lee think Daniels. The, the I don't think the movie was good. <laughs> the Lee Daniels. Oh, is that what, he's a butler? See, I thought he was a director. At any rate, look. We I hope. Eric, that you're always being honest because I feel like me and Travis oh, yeah. are usually being honest most of the time on the show. So don't be yeah, afraid okay. to be honest and share yourself with us because that's what we pride ourselves on here. If there's any pride at all, it's on being straightforward and truthful and we'll give it to you straight because if we're not going to be truthful about our movie opinions, then what the fuck are we really doing here? <laughs> yeah, pointless. Well, that was, man, jam-packed. That's a lot of movie watching. Well done, sir. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Uh, for me, I watched some films. I got to tell you about this movie I watched. Have you guys ever seen Three Fugitives with Nick Nolte and Martin <laughs> Short? Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. In theaters. So dumb. In theaters. So dumb. I've never seen it before, and I finally got around to watching it. It's the stupidest shit you'll ever see. Oh, that's God. what we got. To, this is the stupid movie you wanted to tell us about? Yes, yes. This is. Like, <laughs> I had a copy of it. I used to watch it a bunch growing up. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, uh, this one never got into my realm growing up, so I had no reference of it. But I love Nick Nolte and Martin Short and James Earl Jones and Alan Ruck. I mean, it's this is so 80 stupid. This oh, seems yeah. like it was trying to take it. I'd love to check the date because I think it came out the same year as Three Men and a Baby. I want to know if it came out like long after that or not, because it seems like they're trying to recapture some of that. But if they came out the same year, because I, I believe it was 87 and I believe Three Men and a Baby was 87. And I just felt like they were trying to take that same kind of formula there's a girl a little girl and then there's these two guys there's not three guys there's only two guys it's just a bozo fest to the max but it was somewhat entertaining i will say and nick nolte's classic nick nolte in this just pissed as fuck he's yelling at this little girl like i imagine him doing this movie acting it out like going home and i'm like god i'm such i can't keep doing this i'm so cruel to this little girl but that's what i'm supposed to do he's like go away go away you know, he's just like so intense. Nick Maybe Dolte. they would like remove the little girl and he would like yell like at a stuffed animal or something, yeah, like, yeah. like a tennis ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Thank God for green PA. screens now. Yeah. Because hopefully she wasn't Actually. just sitting there as like, as like a stand in, like, like she just has to sit here and take this abuse <laughs> off camera. <laughs> Oh my god. Seven year old getting screamed at by Nick Nolte. You're a cutsucker! <laughs> We're going to jail! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's such a dumb movie, though. It's just, it's just hijinks to the max. It's classic 80s hijinks, 80s soundtracks, stupid hijinks, like right place, right time, weird coincidence. You know, it's just stupid. I don't know why I'm taking it so seriously, but it was quite dumb for a few first viewing, and I absorbed it as so. So I don't want to ruin it. On that one. It may be too late, you know. Yeah. Maybe too dated in a film. 
I did watch well, the whole a, thing though. I didn't turn it a, off or anything. So. Francis Weber, he's a French filmmaker, and it does have like this just silly ass like European flair going on with it. It does oh. kind of like a French film. Did you it fast does. forward through any movies? <laughs> yes, of uh, course. Yeah, I mean, if I got to get in everything I got to get in in my life, I'm going to have to do some fast forwarding. Aha, look at this. So, yes, Three Fugitives came out in 1989, two years after Three Men and a Baby. I uh, definitely feel like now they were trying to do yeah. that. They were trying to feed off that. So Fixes in. It is. It's good to verify that. Okay, so, yeah, I watched Three Fugitives. Uh, <laughs> all right. I told you, I, got, I was really in some serious shit before I switched gears to Three Fugitives. That was the end of this week. I started the week off by watching Blue Valentine. Because oh, I hadn't shit. seen it. I hadn't seen it since I first watched it. And I remember on first watch, I wasn't like I thought I would love it. I remember me and Eric, we said we talked about this movie when it came out. And I was like, amazing. oh man, I can't wait to see this. I was so like good. really into these like so good. intense, painful relationship movies. I've always been to them. I don't know why, but um second watch, much, much better. I have much more appreciate. And since I've seen The Place Beyond the Pines and more of Derek Sheehan France's See in France. See in France, sorry work i appreciate it more it it's a good ass film it's rock solid michelle williams ryan gosling she's unreal in it she's she's so good sublime yeah they're they're both fantastic they're, yeah, they're, both, yeah. Yeah, they're both really yeah. good gosling doing the whole jude law thing that uh he did in road to perdition where he shaves his head a little bit so it looks like he's balding but he's a sexy man in real life which by the way i ended up watching road to perdition because it made me think of the balding jude law i'm like oh i gotta watch oh, road to perdition. i haven't watched that in a while. jude law plucked his hairs one by one for that role i shit you there not. you go yeah see he, didn't, he, he, didn't shave he really went for it on that yeah. and road to perdition is a movie that i also didn't love as much as some of you guys did i think i feel like I don't want to speak for everybody here, but Eric, definitely, you were a huge fan of this film when it came out. I love it. It's, it's, it's unreal. I, I love it. Yeah. I don't know if Travis felt the same way when it came out. Isn't, or Masterpiece. Not, okay. Yeah, there well, it is. Go. I mean, Paul Newman, it's a great <sighs> way to kind of call it a career there. It's a great. Oh, is yeah, it his Cars final? 2. Oof. It's his final performance, right? Dude. No, Cars 2 or Cars 1 was the yeah. vocal okay, performance. But like, was the last thing he did. But that was the last. It was the last. Yeah, it was the last film thing. So good. Yeah. Everyone in this room is a murderer. Yes, oh and the, that was good. I kind of, I guess this gets to my point this week. I watched a couple movies, obviously that focus around like kids at the center of this chaos. Both Three Fugitives and Road to Perdition <laughs> have something in common, believe it or not, they do. Because there's true. this little kid. It's a rated R movie, both of them, yeah. and there's like this adult hijinks going on while yeah. like hardcore shits happening. And meanwhile, here's this kid in the middle of it trying to make sense of it all. And I feel like movies where the kids get involved. If it's not like placated to too much, I'm down with it. But sometimes, Road to Perdition, I would just kill for more of what's going on with Finn McGovern and that stuff. I just, there's other stuff in the movie I'd rather see than focus on the kid part, I guess, is my point. But sure. It doesn't make it a bad movie or anything. It's still well, well done. And yeah, and then I finally saw a movie that you guys have both seen that you highly recommended Brawl in Cell 99. Oh, wow. shit. Cell Block okay. 99. I finally saw it. You both like this film. All right. I, I, yeah. We've talked about it on the show. We've talked Somebody about it Somebody mentioned show. it. Yeah. We both liked it. It was fantastic. Yes, it was yeah. such a crazy ass So, I mean, you guys talked about it. You never really gave away everything about it. So We try not to I, most of the time. Yeah, you did a really good job of that because I was like. Except for that time I had, documentary. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, well, that's a different story. But, God. So Vince unique. Vaughn. Yeah, really? Uh, he's like a superhero, is he? Is, I'm getting the feeling like he's not even human. It's so wild. Like he's just this unique man. He could he's take like so fit. much pain. He's just yeah. He's just a pair of fists. Yeah, go through the way, <laughs> <laughs> That is 
That's actually what he looks like. It's kind of unbelievable, but the power behind the, you know, who's to say what the power is behind those punches? All I know is this movie got, it goes in a direction I did not see it going. Like, it seems like, oh, you know, sometimes you make mistakes and you got to pay for them. It's way beyond that. This is, there's a lot going on in this movie besides violence. I will say that. It's an exciting filmmaker. What's his name again, Eric? Uh, Craig, oh, Zoller. Uh, Craig, Craig Zoller. Craig Zoller is yeah. fucking amazing. Everything he's done so far. Been, all of his movies. Well, I haven't seen Dread Across Con- Concrete still. I love high, it. I, I, I'm right myself. You will love it. You will love it. <laughs> Strap in, though, because this guy takes his fucking time. It's like watching paint dry, but it's worth it. He does. Yeah, it's very deliberate. Now, I had no problem with that, though. In a sense, no. I kind of saw a little bit of uh, seeing France's work in it. A bit too, maybe a little bit of Malik, Malik in <laughs> yeah. there. A little uh, bit yeah, of Paul Schrader, his early stuff, sure. like hardcore yeah. and yeah, fuck that's yeah. a good point too. Okay, yeah. So I would really strongly recommend that movie. If you've never seen it, or you, if you've never been on the show, it's some reason you're seeing or hearing the show for the first time, you never heard about Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine. <laughs> Go uh, seek that one out. It was, I was, I wish I'd seen it sooner, guys. I did, I really did, and uh, that'll pretty much do it. That's uh, my okay. big recommendation for the week. And thank you very much for listening and taking your time. I, I care about movies. I love watching movies. It's important to me. We have movies here to bring us together and to unite us. And I'm actually vamping here because I just want to make sure I covered everything. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I forgot. One more. Sorry. I saw The Way Back. Did you, you guys see The Way Back with Ben Affleck? <sighs> Oh, are you, what are you talking about, dude? I dubbed up my favorite film of last year. You remember when I, I was saying that before the show started I just, that I felt like sometimes you weren't paying attention? I'm fucking forward through the show? I'm fucking... I, I knew you would go ape shit. You're supposed to laugh. Come on. God, it was... I, 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 I should have seen it sooner. And I, I after your recommendation, I, I really tried to find it. And, man, what a... Just a great movie. Yeah, I, had, I definitely got emotional. It was... Uh, I'm sure some of my own stuff in it too, but like it's really emotive and it's not cheesy. I feel like it it could be it has some material where it could be really cheesy. Oh god, like, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't really go there. So I, I was a big fan of it. I'm glad I wish I seen it, it sooner. I think I really do think he was worth ma- he should have been maybe nominated. Everybody Absolutely. Thought. He was yeah. fucking fantastic in it. I would have been okay with that for sure. Yeah. And what's that girl what's his sister the one who plays his sister in that movie? What's her name? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't know yeah, her don't name, know. but her face, I've seen in movies, and she she's pretty good. She has this face that just comes off like, God, that she looks like she's never having a good time, but she's a good actress, and I, I wanted to give her uh, props <laughs> for that. So Okay. This face, you know, it's like, oh, man. Face. Oh, Michaela Watkins. Michaela Watkins is her name. So No bells. Yeah, you would I, mean, know I saw the for... movie, but I saw it when it was new. I, I, mean, I can't remember. Yeah. Did you ever see the backup plan <laughs> or Wanderlust or Thanks yeah, for Sharing? That. She was in some of those movies. I so. think I saw that. Yeah. Anyways, there it is. The Way Back. It, I can't believe I almost forgot it because that was today that I watched it and it made me quite emotional. So thank you for letting me share that. Really well done. I'm glad that F. I still wonder like how he, because he has alcohol issues of his own. I wonder how much of this was like so personal for him as well. I, I well, just, I mean, the, you know, the, the background story behind it is that uh, Jennifer Garner, you know, after the divorce, um, she convinced him to do it. She, like, begged him to do it after he did um, uh, Batman vs. Superman, which he fucking hated and was miserable for, and that was, like, the nadir of his life in terms of his alcoholism. Uh, What's that? Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so he, uh, so, like, so, you know, so he's, like, at bottom, 
you know, he's he's like at the top of the world, it looks like, but like in real life, you know, he's at bottom and she convinces him, like, this is the fucking script for you. Like, you need to do this. This will be good for you. So yeah, he put I would say he put a lot of himself into it. And it would have been really nice if the Academy had, you know, not just I mean, like, you know, who are we kidding? Like, it's not just the roles, I mean, it's not just the performances. Yeah. There's always something else behind it, too. He's some yeah. sort of politicking and like giving him yeah. some sort of nod of being like, hey, you know. We're, we're we see you that, that would have been, on, yeah, that yeah. Been, i mean you know, it's how i'm you know brave people are those that run into burning buildings and save children so i hesitate to say brave about any performance or actor but it good on him for taking that role on and you know coming out with his his struggles in a very public way and in an artful way as well yeah i'll have to read more about his comments on this film because i'm sure he's been asked these questions it's, the parallels are obvious so Good on him for doing that. Good on Jennifer Garner. You know, it's important to have people that support you in your Love life. Her. Good call. That was good background info, Travis. Thank you so very, very much. The way back. Go check it out and have yourself a good time. And uh, yeah, I wanted to throw in. I also remember when Amy Schumer was a thing. You guys remember that? I I, I still like her. I, I liked Trainwreck. You know, right? I, I've watched it more but, than once. It's not that I don't like her, but to say she was a thing would be like she was on top of the world. And now I she's mean, she's not. still a thing. I, I watched a movie that she starred in last year. I can't think of what it's called, but she, it's, um, she like hits her head and thinks suddenly thinks that she's beautiful. I can't think of the name of the fucking movie, but she's I feel pretty. Yeah, I feel pretty. Thank you. Yeah. And that was what? 2019, 2020. Oh, so she's still okay. doing stuff. And that was a decent film. Yeah, I'm sure she's alive and breathing and like living she life. Breathes. I have no she's debate about that. Starting a family, taking some time off. Is that true? I didn't yeah. know that either. Anyway, she was huge though, and like t- when she did train wreck and stuff, she was big. She was huge. She was like the new thing. So maybe that's what it was. And a lot of backlash back- whenever yeah. there's someone big like big, you know, like that. Also been accused of joke stealing. Uh, can't it has to be mentioned because that's been verified by legit sources. So I'm not just throwing out gossip on that. Uh, anyways, disappointing. But I watched Trainwreck. I, I had seen it once. I went back and watched it. Her and Bill Hader. It's uh, okay. It's it's funny. It's actually it's not Apatow's best, but she's she's actually good in it. I got no beef with her. So it's a nice Hader's, role for her. It makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's a nice little Saturday for her. You know, nice little. Uh, Christopher Deary wants to know: Does this mean you guys are closer to doing a sports movie? And does it hold up? <laughs> wow. Well, closer. Oh, you mean like the movie we're going to talk about? Yeah, just just uh, like twenty four hours straight of me walking around my house, just and so it is. That's it, just the one line. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, and then the movie look. starts, and like it's immediate. Like the Columbia, like as the screen brightens before you can fully even see the Columbia lady. And so it is. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah, they don't even they don't even give you a reprieve. They don't give you like a soft opening or like what's or a cold open where they just start talking. And it's like, nope, here we go. We're shoving this right down your throat. And then Damian it's stuck Rice. in your head forever. And Damien yeah. Rice will always be a part of our lives. So yeah. <laughs> Deary, maybe we will do a sports movie. The way back is I wouldn't so call funny, it a sports yeah. movie, but I guess it is I mean, something like that would be would be what we would do. I mean, like, you know, I wouldn't mind taking a look at something like any given Sunday or yeah. Jerry Maguire, uh, come on. Yeah, yeah, sure, Jerry Maguire. But I mean, you know, we've done enough fucking Cameron Crow for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd Paramount. He does anyone know what this reference is? Anybody? Is this a joke? I don't know what it. I thought it was joke? an inside joke. Oh, I'd Paramount her. That's by Steve Oh, so. oh, uh, stay out of this one. Oh, is that a bad joke? Yeah, that's <laughs> Steve. Thank you so much for chiming in on that. That's a. I think he's referring to uh, he, the Columbia lady. I think he's he's saying that yeah. he would paramount yeah. the Columbia lady. The Columbia Pictures lady? Wow. That's, that's <laughs> what he's saying. Oh, wow. Especially lady. That's awesome. 
Oh, yes. Nice this is a, long gas header first. <laughs> this is the Cinnamon Eye Podcast, of course. Cinnamon Eye Pod at ProtonMail.com. You can send us an email. We realized last <laughs> week we had not been checking our emails. So That's right. we are now checking our emails again. And thanks to Chad for enlightening us on the fact that we had not been doing so. Chad sent us an email last week, and we welcome your feedback, commentary, which is also available on our Twitter page. Our Facebook page, of course, the Instagram page. The guys are still doing great work on all of those platforms. So if you want to engage with us and talk film, we're available all week long, are we not? Yeah, anything. I mean, send us an email. Who's hotter, the Starbucks mermaid or the Columbia Pictures lady? (laughs) (laughs) We had our first fuck on this. Did you think of me? When? When did you do it here? Answer the question! This evening. Did you come? Why are you doing this? Because I want to know. Yes, I came. How many times? Twice. How? First he went down on me, and then we fucked. Who was where? I was on top. And then he fucked me from behind. And that's when you came the second time. God. Why is the sex so important? Because I'm a fucking caveman! Did you touch yourself while he fucked you? Yes. You wank for him. Sometimes. And he does. We do everything that people who have sex do. You enjoy sucking him off? Yes. You like his cock? I love it. You like him coming in your face? Yes. What does it taste like? It tastes like you, but sweeter. That's the spirit. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Now fuck off and die. You fucked up slag. And so it is. Oh shit, here we go. Time. <sighs> it is that time, gentlemen. Talk it is time to get into it. Does it hold up? Yes. Can you feel the uh, tenderness, the passion? Life goes. So I mean this this movie this song, you know, brings us into a an opening sequence that I think is quite memorable. I do wish that we knew that I thought you would just let it play. Oh you are. <laughs> I think no, you can still play. Okay. Anyway, so I wish I kind of wish that we knew that we they didn't know each other, but I think that that scene does a great job of like demonstrating. I mean, I'm not generally a love at first sight kind of guy, but like we've all probably had those moments where like there's just like this unreal connection, and like whether you whether you go and have a four year relationship with that person and then smack her and it ends, or or if you never see that person again, like there's just like this weird. You know, like a, like a car wreck, you know, like explosion. And, uh, and I thought it did a great job of representing that. I definitely agree. And it's definitely one of the more, in a movie that doesn't have a lot of sweet moments, it's a genuinely romantic and sweet first 10, 15 minutes, in my opinion. And as much as I like that scene, it introduces you to this romantic relationship between Dan and Alice. But sadly, that's not something we get from, you know, Larry and um, the Julia Roberts character. So while I have this connection with them and their relationship, that's really the only one I feel connected to. And it's probably because of this really sweet scene in the opening. It's a great point. And the movie probably wouldn't feel like a tragedy otherwise, right? If, if we were if we were a little bit more invested in Larry, it wouldn't matter that he wins their little war, right? I mean, you'd be okay with it, but instead the movie ends and like you're, you, it's, you're, you, you feel defeated and sad and like you never really rooted for Dan in the first place because he's a scumbag and deceptive. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, his eyes, though. 
and he's the protagonist, and you identify with the protagonist. Out of the four of them, like he's the one they follow the most, right? On it. Well, either him or Alan. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, I'd say well, you know, Alice, yeah, probably. But that doesn't matter. What what does matter? Yes, this oh, this is how the scene. This, this is how the movie starts, and it's just music, and it's just slow mo yeah. walking. Not full slow mo, but like half slow mo, and there's an accident, and it all starts where they go to the hospital together. So this is closer, not to be confused with the TV show The Closer, which came out in 2005, starring Kira Sedgwick. I want to make that clear. And I love that, like, had she not been so, like, you know, wrapped up in his eyes and and in that moment, like from across the street, you know, they're, they're a good distance apart. She yeah. would have like noticed what was going on and not stepped off the curb. <laughs> That's so dumb. It just got so literal all of a sudden yeah. in this fantasy film. And this, you know, this is a it's a play, right? It was it was a play originally, so right. it's very much a play because it's just these four people that are in it. I mean, who else has dialogue in this movie besides the four people? I Can honestly you think of anybody? I, I don't can't. know that anyone else utters a single line, not even yeah. so much as like a bartender. That's interesting. Exactly. Oh, there's Taxi Driver, played by Nick Hobbs. He does say, because okay. when he calls the taxi after she leaves the gallery. Yeah, make up and your then fucking mind. I'm going to come back. So Jude Law is like, he's, he wants to go back and talk to Judy to Julia Roberts' character. He's such a scumbag that he sees his girlfriend out to the taxi, who he's not taking with him on this trip, by the way, and then acts like he's going to get the next taxi, stands there while she drives away, and then, I mean, this you talk about deception, Travis. You're right. There oh. is masterful deception going on here. And, that, and like, both both he and Anna are deceptive, like, right off the bat, right? Because, like, yeah. she's, like, she's able to be, like, your shirt. Like, like, like she, like, lets him know that the back of his shirt is, like, untucked, right? Because they're, they're the cheaters, really. Like, Larry is not, I mean, he he cheats on her with a prostitute, but, but probably because, you know, she's been cheating on him for a year and there's probably something very wrong in that relationship and he's a clearly a very sexual man and he tells her fucking like immediately which is like weirdly respectable um so and and then alice of course you like you get the sense that like stripper whatever she would never fucking ever be non-monogamous to him in a way that he was not okay with right like she she would never cheat on him Okay, that's true. Wait, so let's reorganize this. We got to do our thing how we do it. So let's go uh, back in time. We got, like, all, we got all, you played Damien Rice. And, we, all right, know, and so it is. We're talking about this. Talk this right in, man. We're hypnotized. Motive song. I was in a band. On, this song, that song, when this movie came out, I was in a band. And this guy that was in the band with Josh was obsessed with Damien Rice. He just had, God, he was so into Damien Rice. And I was like, who's Damien Rice? At the time, I really didn't know who he was. But now we all know The Blower's Daughter by Damien Rice. So. Take us back in time then, Travis, 2004. Did you see this in the theater? I likely feel like this is a DVD viewing for you. This was a DVD viewing, but it was like a, you know, brand new, you know, as soon as it was out on DVD. I saw it like, because it, it was one that I saw the, you know, I saw the previews for, but it, I don't even think it was like, I don't remember exactly where I was living in 2004. So I guess I probably could have. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm sure I could have hunted it down and seen it wherever it was, wherever it was playing. But um, I was aware of it. the glasses factory. In 2004? I would have uh, been working at AB Heller. The um, I was working. I was making machine parts, actually. Oh. Oh, I thought um, you guys made eyeglasses there. Is that another job? I could be wrong. Who fucking knows? Why are you keeping such <laughs> close track <laughs> of my life? Let me be I wrong. I remember about that my job, life. and I popped in my head that period. Who cares? Of time. Who cares what yeah. the fuck I was doing? It was it was something that involved pressing a button and and standing. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, so I I watched the movie. Uh, and and loved it, you know. I I bought Damien Rice's CD, I you know, and I did that oh. shortly after watching the movie, and I bought his second CD too. Um, 
And I, you know, you know, I, I, I watched the movie more than once. You know, it was one I, 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 it was on a pretty regular rotation for a while. Almost completely had forgotten about it. I think it was a really good choice for this podcast. You know, it, it was one that like I wouldn't have thought of to choose myself, but like it, it bears. I mean, like I was just like a flurry of notes. Very rarely do I have to like pause the movie and be like, wait, wait a minute, like there, there's just too much happening here. I gotta like, I gotta like wow. slow down. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot going on here, and I think it was a good one for the for the podcast. What about you, Mr. Branch of 2004? Check this out in the theater on a Saturday night. No, I, I picked up the DVD. You know, um, um, it, it it was a weird play for me. I, I technically enjoyed it. I think it's one of those that I enjoy just because I was enamored by the acting in it. But like like I think audiences at the time, I wasn't really prepared for how like mature the film was you know what i mean it's not very accessible because it's just so in your face in 2004 you've got like along came polly and 13 going on 30 two films i enjoy <laughs> so i'm going into this like oh but it's so fucking uh, uh, such an adult movie that i i was kind of not prepared for that so yeah i haven't really thought about it that much that much since but i remember being pretty impressed it's practically an adult film yeah, you're such a fascinating human being, Eric. It's, I mean, like, we talked last week how this movie came out at the same time as like Eternal Sunshine and uh, Garden State. These are also kind of like depresso, you know, R-rated adult films, I would say. But yeah, yeah it's not a porno or anything. Yes, that's no, true. this is not but, pornography. But they do say come in this movie several times, and they're not joking. They talk about the taste it. of it at one point. I mean, like it's, Julia yeah, Roberts, yeah. America's sweetheart, yes. Julia Roberts talking about the taste of semen in a very yeah, frank is, manner. Yeah. Well, like yeah, deadpan. That's, that's a yeah, very, very frank and deadpan. Very deadpan. Very jarring, especially that. Like <laughs> even still, like last night watching them, like I'm never gonna get used to Julia Roberts talking very openly and kind about of angrily because about uh, yeah, about well, just about sex in general. Just talking about get, having someone go down on her, about being on top. Like that whole scene is like so jarring. Of all, it's like. I mean, it's like she's like Shirley Temple, man. Like she's, you know what I mean? Like she's, to me, like, I don't know. Like she's just so like not someone like, which is why it was such an interesting choice for both for her to take the role and for Nichols to, you know, ask for her to do it. It's like running into your old kindergarten teacher in the adult section of the video store accidentally. Exactly. Which would have happened at Blockbuster 15 years ago. Not no. never, never. Fam, family store. No, yeah, no, I know. no, 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 no porno. Come yeah. on now. Come on. That was always, yeah, that was ridiculous. But I will tell you that, uh, yes, she was made, she made her hay as a hooker in. That's true. Know, pretty pretty woman. woman. But, yeah. but that's, know. but that's like the most like tame, yeah. like sweet. It's yeah, not a sexual neater, movie, she, really, in my really, opinion. Really not. Yeah, it, even should, it shouldn't even be rated R. It should be more of a PG-13. But yes, I see your point completely. Uh, for me, I honestly couldn't I couldn't pinpoint the moment I saw this film for the first time. It really bothered me because I really remember it having a big impact on me. I was like, oh, shit, this is hardcore. And I am I like to get depressed, too. So, you know, I've talked to... I've been in relationships a few times. Not a lot at this point when this movie came out. You know, I was, I was more of a, uh, a fool, kind of, you know, staying solo and thinking I knew a lot more than society, which, in truth, I didn't know at all. I was a complete moron. But... It was still a really well done movie. I love the actors in it and I really enjoyed it. And I started watching it on the reg, but I just can't pinpoint exactly when it was. And sometimes that happens. So I'll be honest about that. Definitely didn't see it in the theater, obviously, but I certainly saw it on DVD. 
As far as the movie rating on IMDb.com, I haven't looked it up, so I'm going to join in this. I'm going to say this movie is well done. It's got a reputable director. It's got a lot of people we know about, so it's got to be at least a 7.0 or higher. I, I saw it, so I'll, I'll, I can let you know. Yeah, so you guys 7.0. You saw it too? I saw it, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I'm going to say it's a... I'm gonna say it's probably a seven two or seven yeah. one. Then you like saw that. it too. You nailed it. it. You saw it too. You nailed it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I no, it's didn't seven two. It. Yeah, you're good. It, that's what it yeah. is. Seven two. Yeah. It it's it can't be a six even if you don't like it because it's just got too many names in my opinion. It's one of those where even if you don't think it's that great of a movie, it's just gonna gain so, a little more weight. But caliber well, of actors, yeah, demands it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, whether you disagree with the film as a solid piece of entertainment or not, that's. That is a different story, and I don't want to—I don't want to reveal too much yet. But uh, we're going to get to that point where we we'll reveal how we feel about it. Now, Rotten Tomatoes: sixty-eight percent of critics, sixty-eight. That's not a great score, but it's not god awful. But again, the audience: eighty-one percent really enjoyed this movie. There's a lot of people who saw something in this film that they related to, or they just rather enjoyed. It's not a comedy at all. So it's not like a laugh riot. That's surprising. I mean? Once again, I'm. It seems like the critics would have loved this and the audiences would have detested it, but we're or we're backwards again. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not the first time by far that that's happened. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of uh, reviews on this, 11 pages of reviews. Peter Travis from Rolling Stone says, vibrates with eroticism, bruising laughs, and dynamite performances from four attractive actors doing decidedly unattractive things. What if they said, like, from three attractive actors and Clive Owen? <laughs> oh. Yikes. that's funny that was funny <laughs> whatever happened to clive Owen? we'll talk about that more shortly but clive was a Ooh. man this was like Gemini, man. this this is when clive was becoming he a man just, children of men and... shoot him up was like the career oh. high for him and he was gonna just follow that route like well, that that oh. surely that's fine <laughs> i remember going out of my way to avoid that movie and i loved at the time clive owen and paul giamatti and Turned i was like off. why why couldn't finish it <sighs> terry lawson of detroit free press says if it makes you uncomfortable or leaves you disturbed it has only done its job oh i, I like that is that the job of this movie to make us uncomfortable I mean, uh, it's, it's, go ahead no please well i mean it's not a movie designed to like you know, titillate or like, um, <laughs> you know, right? it's not a movie designed to just be like a frivolous romp for a Saturday afternoon, right? Yeah. And this is this, this is this is art. This is you know, this is a re this is from a play. This is something designed right. to make you think about life, etc. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I, the very little that I've read, I mean, when this play came out, it was that that vile type of vulgarity that ended up getting a lot of people into seats. So there was some big questions about whether or not that would transfer to. Uh, the film itself and i think it you know it, it it delivers exactly what its precedent is and that's to be like i said before kind of an adult drama about relationships that was not anywhere in 2004 look this movie th there is one movie very much that this reminded me of that that's a predecessor to it any guesses we've talked about it on the show at length oh, man your uh, friends and neighbors oh this okay. made me yeah, think very yes, much yes. of your friends and yeah. neighbors. A, a group of, a, a, you know, a, an ensemble cast, a, a play converted to a movie. An ensemble cast is very small um, and just like interwoven lives dealing with sex yeah. in a very, very frank way. Um, yes. uh, yeah, almost call. a comedy in some places, but pretty much really not. I know you guys call it a, call that a black comedy but to me it's more of a drama with some comedic elements but yeah i could i kept thinking about that movie throughout 
what, what last night while watching. Yeah, great call. You're right. Per- yeah, it's a perfect call. Yeah, I chose both those movies. I don't know what you that did. says about me, but oh, uh, it says something. It oh, definitely says it does. something. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have plenty to say on that. But <laughs> Roger Ebert said, "There's a creepy fascination in the way these four characters stage their affairs while occupying impeccable lifestyles. Like these people aren't like down. I mean, in terms of professional." lives they all seem to be leading or doing quite well in their individual professions as well so that's an interesting point is that true i mean i, I love the moment when um anna well, asks alice you know if waiting tables is temporary and she's like no i love that moment yeah and you're right you're totally right that's the one character the three of them mm-hmm. i mean he writes the book and it seems to do well or maybe it no, doesn't no, do it does, well it does poorly that's part of the plot he's a, he's an he's an obit writer he gets he gets hired he gets um promoted to editor of the obit office when yes. his boss dies but like he's yeah he's going nowhere i mean but he makes a living yeah he makes a living yeah maybe but that's wrong yeah I live owen's it. doing the best clearly. i just take that back now yeah i i, t- I totally he's disagree with that stupid comment they made by the now rest in power of course roger ebert uh, I was looking for Dessen. I was trying to see if I could find him. Oh, and here it is. Up. All right. Oh, we are back in yeah. business. And here he is. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the joke that keeps on giving. Uh, Dessen Thompson on December 2nd, 2004 said this. Sure, there's a rubbernecky attraction to watching these good-looking, half-baked creations living anguished, photogenic lifestyles. But it's unclear if we're supposed to feel engaged. That's it. Destin kind of let me down there, buddy. I mean, just only Aww. not because I agree or disagree, but just because like I, I, I don't quite get what he's going for. I mean, like what film doesn't want you to feel engaged in it? What movie That's wants you to feel disengaged from it? I That's want the viewer to doing. feel like they're outside of this and just not emotionally invested whatsoever. That's not a thing yeah. anyone does. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, these are four clearly beautiful people. So is the story different if these are just regular, uh, you know, folks in London doing their thing? Um, I, I disagree. I mean, yeah, I, there. I, I would say that Julia Roberts is a gorgeous, like, you know, she's a movie star, beautiful person. I think that Natalie Portman clearly beautiful but like i would believe it if i if she came to serve me coffee somewhere like I w- i've seen women as beautiful her and as her walking around in my life and i still Ju- see the distinction there but i'm not gonna argue about it but I i'm not saying i'm not saying there's anything like i'm just saying like she's a believable like a normal like she's not she doesn't look like a hollywood classic like no one looks anything remotely like her i've seen a bunch of women that look a lot like her see which to is, me i see it opposite that's why that's why I find and, that and maybe that's and that's and that's true too i mean maybe that's part of the appeal for both of them is that they you know to some people they're going to look gorgeous and that's and the same can be said for jude law and clive owen with their uniqueness but really there's not <laughs> that out of, out of the four of them there's they're all beautiful people but like there's beautiful people in the world and jude law i mean like honestly he looks like our friend Matt Freeling. Let's get down to him. He looks like a guy that we know. Like he's a very believable looking dude to me. Yeah, so, I don't see him as like a sex symbol at all. Me, right. per- I never did. I think he's a solid actor, but I don't so, know. So yeah, okay, so like so get, my whole point just being like okay, getting hung up on their beauty is like whatever. Like beautiful people tend to date beautiful people and there's beautiful people in the world. Like big fucking deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my biggest problem with this film is, once again, we've got beautiful people falling in love with their, each other just because they're beautiful. 
we don't really get much of anything in terms of the attraction between Larry and uh, Anna, aside from a, a, a physical aspect. It's all just skipped over with this wonky narrative where all of a sudden it's like two years later and then the year after that, the year after that. I needed more to see why these people are in love. I get it with Dan and Alice, even if it's just, you know, beauty and glances, but I don't get it with these other two. So I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? Who cares? Oh, Alice. Okay. So let's establish this, at least in my opinion. Alice very much believes in love and she gives everything to Dan quite quickly because she's in love with him. Even when they're on the bus after the hospital scene, when she like cleans his eyeglasses for him, it's a very intimate thing yeah. to do to take his glasses yeah. off his face. And But yeah. that's, but that's right. the first day still. So that shows you she's instantly like the kind of person she is, she's going to love. And that so, much, I think. So juxta juxtapose that with the first time that Larry and Anna meet. You walk up to her and ask her if she's a, like a cum dumpster or something. And then they <laughs> yeah. go on a date well, to the fucking a beautiful morning. the episode where Eric said cum dumpster. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but it was just for the sake no, of that's the, what, uh, the dialogue. That's what happens. Like, yes. Dan and Larry have an exchange on the internet where Larry thinks that Dan's a woman. We got to talk about this scene. We got to talk Let's about the it. jaunty oh, fucking 90s comedy, like cartoony music going on in the yes. background. For the totally out of character for the rest of the movie. It's yes. a complete, the whole scene is so out of nowhere. And like, it doesn't feel like, like I have a hard time imagining this is in the play, right? Because <laughs> we're looking at this <laughs> oh, screen. Yeah, um, yeah they like, projected it. And in the play, they projected it in like the real? back so the audience could just read the, like, the transcript of it. Oh, Probably shit. fun. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. That is cool. That's funny. Well, how about that? Some of the worst cyber sex I've ever seen. <laughs> go on. Sexy. I mean, just go yeah. on. Just keep oh. typing go on. That's not cyber sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he did do yeah. the thing where you press all the keys to act like you're having an orgasm. So that he sold that well. He did. That, so. He did. But yes, you're right. The scene is totally out of character or doesn't belong with the rest of the film. If it never had happened and these people had just met at the aquarium, because they don't they don't explain everything. Oh, Jesus. One of the things Come about on. this movie is like you jump around from time to time you don't like when they meet when dan and alice meet and then they jump over to dan having his photo taken so a lot of time has elapsed because he, he's he was suddenly an obit writer struggling next thing you know now he's got a book that he's trying to sell and do his author's photo so time is kind of moved around and fast forwarded through without a lot of explanation and i think that's one it's of so the true. interesting parts about that yeah, I mean, for me, I can dig how the director was relying on our intelligence to catch up with it. But give me seasons changing, maybe a different hairstyle, because I was a little <laughs> I was a little lost personally. I, I, I didn't have any trouble following it personally, just because like they I mean, like there's context clues. They talk they they make statements that make it pretty clear about time has passed. Sometimes they say how much time has passed and that's. That's fine. I, you know, like that, that all works. There's two scenes that where I got a little muddy because like they were like, cause the whole movie's linear except for like when, um, except for when Jude law finds out that she slept with Clive Owen after they were together. And I think there's like, and then when Alice finds out that that's, I don't, know, I don't know. There's like these two moments where they, where people find things out, and like, and like you get these two scenes interspersed with one another, and it yeah. kind of goes back and forth, and so you're actually flashing back a little bit. But for the most part, everything, you know, I, I didn't have any trouble following it myself. Yeah, but my point being is about that is the aquarium scene never happened. Oh, or, we were just, or what if they were just shown as like they met somewhere, and this is how they because they didn't have like some kindred connection. It was Cupid. If, Cupid was the connection. So I have a theory. Right. Oh, Please. Okay. Go ahead. okay. 
No, so, please. and and, and I'm going to bring in the, the 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 cyber sexting thing too. There's this there's a very there's a very homoerotic like thread in this movie. There's a war going on. This weird war of egos between Larry and Dan, but also like there's this weird like uh, I want to make this person submit to me kind of thing coming from Larry because Larry get, got a hard on from Dan and he's pissed about it. But he's also was aroused by Dan. So like I think that that's a, a, a lot of uh, of what's happening with that. Does that kind of illustrate? Where, you know, I, I, I hadn't considered that. I am. Uh, I find that very interesting. I, I find it even more interesting that uh, Larry is such an arrogant prick that after that horrific sex chat, he just assumes that the most beautiful woman in the aquarium is the one that he was engaging he, with. He described her. He said, "Blonde, big mouth." He also and said he, her name. Says that's Anna, her real name, right? He so says Anna. A, that's a huge uh, deal because he does this. He knows she'll be there. He is. Right. He doesn't know. Right. That maybe she'll be there, but there's a chance she'll be there. Right? And so that's, that's uh, she says she goes. I missed that. I missed that. And, and so the reason why I think that part of the reason that she ends up going with um, with Larry, with Anna, ends up with Larry is like weirdly despite Dan, because yeah, like, I can see that because Dan, like, she's actually weirdly interested in Dan even a year later, even though he's been stalking her because. I don't know though. She's got some issues, but um, she's she's still even after the fucking stunt that he pulls, sending this internet stranger to her. She's still interested in him. <laughs> but like, but like, part of her is like, oh, you want to send a man to me to date? Well, I'm gonna date that man. You know. Um. So I think that partly it's like a payback thing, like this weird. Uh, thing. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because Anna is the most underwritten character for me. I could see everyone's motivations throughout the entire film, aside from hers, really, aside from the fact that she's but that's how she gorgeous is, and oh, yeah. I thought it was yeah, great yeah, in that but, way. I, I had no problem okay. with her. She's capricious, man. I've known some capricious people in my life. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, why sure. that's why I kind of just you really enlighten an honest and probably true point, Travis, with the homoeroticism yeah, between them point. and the bitter, the resentment and bitterness. You yeah, that described. war has like this underlying thing that's going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm yeah. totally in on that. But I actually think that Larry does a good job of describing what Anna is like when they have the fight where he's like, no, you don't want to be happy. You know, you you think you have to be miserable. The depressed people. He has a really great line about depressed people have to be depressed or else they have nothing to be depressed about. Dude, and then the they don't know what to just- do. It's chock full of great lines. Like the whole the dialogue yeah. in this movie is unreal. You ruin my life, you'll get over it. Just like fucking constant. <laughs> like every other line in this movie is just. There's a lot of quips in this movie. You're it's right. It's just quippy as shit. Yeah, but the, the best uh, lying is the most fun a girl will ever have without taking her clothes off. Things like That's that. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Just a lot of just really really good lines. I mean, I don't and, eat fish. And, I don't eat children either. Yeah, you're right. There are a and, lot of and just del- and delivered in believable manners, like not delivered yeah. in like, you know, unbelievable ways. But uh, and my, one of the best parts is I think when um she's when and I think they're talking about the film itself and maybe just film or like, you know, uh, plays and stuff itself is when she's looking when Alice was looking at her picture and Larry comes up and, the, and they talk and she's talking about a bunch of sad strangers photographed beautifully. You know, it's, it's not a lie. Or it's not real. It's a big lie, but everybody lives a big lie or loves a big lie. Like uh, some great lines, but like, I think that's like, again, like, like, so like people, the, some of the reviewers that we read at the beginning of this, like they, they felt like it kind of fell flat, but like maybe cause like it, it's, it is a big, like it's a big lie. And that's kind of the point, right? Like the whole, I mean, Alice isn't even Alice. She's Jane. Her her real life to her, love for her, is a big lie. That's the only way that she can have it. 
I don't know if that, any of that mm. makes any sense. I don't know if I understand all of these threads that I'm kind of chucking out randomly here, but they're mm. all intriguing. Yeah, I can dig it. There's this weird symbol. Like, do you guys pick up on like this maritime symbolism? Like, like the obvious one is there's plenty of fish in the sea, but you've got Clive Bowen, who's clearly like the shark, and and uh, and they'll actually comment on like like Alice comments and she says, "Oh, fish." They're just things that, that piss in the sea. Whereas, um, uh, I, th I think it's a uh, uh, Alice who like thinks of uh, not Alice, but somebody else talks about literally. Look, she'll they'll talk about fish being these you know beautiful creatures and stuff. And yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. Where she says, uh, "I don't eat fish," and yeah, I don't eat children yeah, either. Yeah, it, there's a lot. Yeah, of that. exactly. It's interesting. And Patrick Patrick Marber, the screenwriter. I had to look him up. Former stand-up comic, okay? Been MIA since 2006's Notes on a Scandal, as far as cinematic. Oh! People. Just watched that recently. Yeah. yeah, with a script this good, it's like, give me more. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it that he is the guy who makes this movie happen, in my opinion, because the actors are all good, but the like you said, Travis, the dialogue is special, and there's so many scenes to break down, we can't do all of them, but I think the <sighs> honesty... And the lack of leaps that are required to believe some of the things that happen in this movie, like when Alice comes in to get the photo done and they tell Dan to buzz off while Alice and Anna mm -hmm. are going to do her photo. And she turns with the tear. She's crying because she knows he's already cheated on her. I thought the first time I saw it, it was unbelievable. I'm like, come on, you don't know that he's cheating. But I've watched it again this time and I'm like, the way it's paced out and how the vibe of the scene is, is yeah. more believable. I think... And we don't always catch yeah. people in the act, but we do have these, our gut instincts and these feelings in the air. We emote this energy. We can feed off it and recognize things, yeah. especially her. I also, um, what do you guys make of the cigarette theme that runs through this movie? Yeah, yes, absolutely. It's I picked up on and that. Started up again. And the way yeah. that it's raised, not just by Jude Law, but though mostly by Jude Law, you know, they, I've given up. I've given yeah. up. Not, not I've given them up or I've given it up. Just, I've I given up. That. I've yes. given up. Yeah, well, it's compulsion, it a huge theme, like compulsion and desire, the two biggest themes yeah. in the whole film. There you go. So that's what's alluding to both these things well, that yeah, people Eric, don't want to be doing. That's a really great point, Eric. Yeah, it is. It, smoking. You get addicted and you have to eventually because even if you don't want to quit, you try to quit. And it's alluded to, like I said, when he quits and then he comes back. And that those are also ways for us to know time has gone forward because, hey, I'm smoking again or I'm not yeah. smoking anymore. Yeah. So those, like Travis said, those mm -hmm. context clues help, but... I did recognize now in 2021 because smoking has been so much removed from movies more and more because isn't there like you'll get an even higher rating if there's just cigarettes being smoked in your movie, apparently? I've heard these stories. I don't think. Recently. I know. I think that Netflix um, uh, has like some parental warnings that they're more likely to put on, but I don't think that like our, like the MPAA is doing anything with that. I don't think. Uh, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't care. In the end, I, smoking is a... <laughs> Well, it's a thing. It was really like, noticeable to me in this movie. I don't know why I've heard, but it was. I can't remember the I can't remember the actor. I think it might have been Ed Harris, but somebody was saying the biggest loss about no smoking in movies is for the actor because no one knows what to do with their hands anymore. I mean, a lot of the times <laughs> they would request their character to smoke just so they could have something visually to do so they're not just, you know, too too still. Um but Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, go ahead, please. Well, I watched Beautiful Girls, you know, uh, the other day. Oh. I forgot to mention it. And one of the things about that and Natalie Portman is after that film in particular, she 
she she would um, specifically take on these these roles that were completely uh, unsexualized in nature because she just felt like this object. So yeah, for her to come back, movie, like maybe eight years after that, is is interesting in and of itself. And for I, her to do Leon and Beautiful Girls in like a two year period, it, I could see why she would feel that way. That's fucked mm -hmm. up shit going and on. And I could there. see why she we, why she would come back for this for this role and in, in a yep. way. I mean, when I mean come back to like you, you be, like using her sexuality in a character because the the, the way that this character owns her sexuality and it's and like the men you know they both like just like immediately feel like the sense of ownership to her especially mm -hmm. by owen like touching her face and stuff um, children but um yeah she she is like uh so self-possessed in this movie and like and like she's supposed like the you know the moronic beauty of youth and stuff but she's actually like the like the most together out of all of them in a very real yeah. way even yeah. though she's like she's even though like she will just drop everything and leave because her possessions mean nothing to her um, but she's the only one that really like she's the only one when this movie ends, there's no question of like how she feels like 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 you're like Dan miserable as fuck. Larry kind of like that that smug victory is only, that that feeling is only gonna last so long. Anna, she's she that she's divorcing him again within two years, probably because she's not gonna be happy with them or but, she won't yeah. because she will be unhappy and then she'll just sneak around <laughs> and, and, yeah i mean who but who you're exactly it's gonna be a fucking mess anyway oh yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. but but jane you know or whatever name she takes in the future long-haired jane new, back in new york face in the stuff. crowd right he starts and ends with a strut by natalie and two different hairdos she's gonna be okay wherever she's at i think it's yes. interesting that she is she's probably almost certainly the youngest character in the story and yet I have a lot of respect for her, her maturity. And she literally tells these men, granted, she's no saint herself, but she says, hey, you have, when it comes to this, you know, skin deep infection, skin deep infatuation and infidelity, she says, hey, you had a choice. You can give into it or you can walk away. And not a lot of the other characters even consider this for even the briefest moment. How is she not a saint? What does she do that's unsaintly? Well, it. Just, I mean, like honestly, like she's like she's. I find her to be like a like the one of my few complaints in the movie that she's like almost too good. Like, I, like there's she doesn't do anything wrong in this movie. She sleeps with with Larry, sure, but why not? Why can't she sleep with Larry? <laughs> she's single. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's true. I there's so much sexual currency and sexual ammunition and manipulation. Unless you're saying being a stripper is a negative thing. So not at all. No, no, no. I am uh, completely fine with that for the record. <laughs> Sounded kind of anti-sex work, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> right, we're not making jokes like that anymore. We're not making jokes. But uh, it's just you can't. Grow up. I, I, know, I know. I know. I know. We're fucking I don't know if this is a silly premise or not, but is I wanted to ask it. Is this movie because it's about both? But is it more about love or sex, or is it not really matter? Because it's I was about thinking control. About it's about neither. I think it's yeah. about control primarily. Yeah. I agree completely. I mean, I you mean, can. I mean, they, they're, they both can. You can control someone to love you and uh, to make you know make love to you. So, yeah, it's, the line between those is completely blurred. I think you hit the nail on the head, my friend. I mean, the, the the movie is about how people confuse love and control, right? I mean, like and like when Clive Owen has her um, has Alice in the, the the champagne room, and it's like, what do I have to do? Get a little fucking intimacy? Like, well, dude, you're in a strip club. Like, I don't know how much intimacy you expect. Here, but like, <laughs> but like, but that's but that is what he you know that's what he wants. And like, but then he starts crying in that same scene, though. He's kind of. At a breaking point as well. It's a, yeah, it's a, what's she, what's she call it? A, uh, a, a career um, 
hazard, <laughs> job hazard. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, right. so occupational often. hazard. Yeah. yeah occupational mm-hmm. hazard. Yeah. So maybe it's it's about both. Yes, but you're right. The control point is very valid. I, I just I think about our own experiences, and I wonder how much of that goes into this movie. Because if you read other people's comments about these films, they talk so much immediately about how this reminds them of their own experiences. If you go through the IMDb reviews of user reviews, everybody throws their my divorce or my relationship. This is what I'd lived through for three years or shit like that. So, yeah, I mean, I can't pretend like there wasn't anything in there that didn't remind me of some things in my life. And some of the, some, especially that breakup scene between a dude law and uh, Natalie Portman. <sighs> Fucking brutal. Yes. At least really he says this will hurt. At least he says that. <laughs> I mean, it's just After so a awful. Yeah. year. Yeah. I love the way that she makes him like give in and go make tea so that she can leave him. Yeah, as the fact that they're so in like indignant in their honesty about these exploitations, like make them better or like not not as you know. Do you do you like that honesty or do you think it hurts even more? I think it hurts to like not be honest with like again like what Clive Owens what what Larry does like he cheats on his wife but he comes home and like he can't even make it to the shower like he comes out and again I don't think that this character is a good man like I think he's a bad person for the most part but I mean he's a person whatever but um. That I mean, like, if you're gonna cheat, that's probably the way to do it. You know, if you're gonna do it, like, don't don't sit on it for a year. Don't don't do it for a year and marry your partner in the meantime. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, at the very least, like, be upfront immediately after. I guess mm. I don't know. I think I think three of the characters they all think they know what they want, and Anna's the only one who it's not clear because of the way her personality is. Mm-hmm. But the other three, they, they have these opinions about what love is and what they want, whether you agree with them or not. They're pretty clear about it for the most part. And the fact that Alice can just immediately, in a moment, I, I really, again, another scene that I found unbelievable when I watched it a few years back, but now I took a lot more credence in it. When they're in the bed in the hotel towards the end of the movie, and yep. she suddenly just falls out of love with him right there because his pestering constant desire yep. to know and to control the situation finally breaks yep. her because because she had made the choice to love him like when she took his glasses like you were talking about earlier because he cuts his crust off like she makes this choice on that on that day even before she like, even asks probably if he has someone at home um yeah like she makes a choice to love him and then she tells him like i you know when that moment comes i make that choice and that's what she does she's a great catalyst for everything and a great uh kind of um mode of comeuppance for all three of the characters. I find it interesting that the the plaque says that at the real Alice died saving the lives of others. And I think it was actually even children. And for Christ's sakes, literally this character is dealing with three essentially children, in my opinion. And they're all, you know, at the end of the day, kind of better off for it. And you could, I could make an argument that, that she did kind of save their lives in a way. Yeah, but to call them children is to call most of us children. This is a reflection yeah, of what we are. These are adults. <laughs> we are all adults, and we act like children. Yes, we act like children, but we are adults, and this is just a reflection of of all of us in terms of like a at least like a Western style of romance relationships. This definitely is a, it's just kind of like a mirror pointing at us. Not everybody, but a lot of us, and that's why people tie themselves into this film, I think. And I think that's why this movie is popular with the audience more than the critics, because they just get so emotive from our own, my own personal experiences, Travis's, yeah. yours. Uh, they just, 
it's really difficult to not intertwine it with your own experience at some yeah. point in the movie. That whole need to know thing when when they're so like like oh, yeah. when they're both like like they need to know every little detail about the sex. Like one like oh my God. that's understandable and relatable, and two like also I think it kind of feeds into my homoerotic kind of like uh, theory. Uh, and and three okay. like um, it, it's that control again. Like like they've lost control of their loved one. They they they, they, they you know they have they've been with another by, by learning every possible detail and making their partner, like tell them every possible detail um, that they, they can, uh, you know, they can feel like they have some measure of control over them again. And Alice yeah. recognizes that. It's like, she's and like, it takes as long as, and like, and he realizes it too. He's like, fuck, I fucked up. He doesn't even make it to the elevator. He turns around, grabs the rose yeah. and it was just been moments. And she's like, no, it's over. Yeah. You really, Beautiful insight there. And Larry himself, you know, clearly famously calls himself a caveman. And in that scene, it's like it reminds me of Bill Murray in Groundhog Day when he fucks up on a day and then he tries to take a note of how to fix it for the next time. (laughs) Essentially, Larry, for me, he's doing that. He's saying, "Okay, you are like the conquest of my life, the Anna character. So what will I have to do? that will eventually satisfy either you or someone like you. Like, what am I missing? Tell me what you desire. But but part of that conquest is, is about conquering Dan, right? Like, like that, like, like, like they both like want to like achieve victory over the other. It's really less about Anna. You think it really is less about it. It is. It's very, it's about ego more than all. And so, so like, so like your friends and neighbors, we have another movie written by a man about men and how for the most part they get in their own way and um you know like try and control situations <laughs> and over talk things and end up kind of like spoiling things by being mad <laughs> but at least there's no rape of any teenage boys in this movie so that's at good. least there's not that yeah blissfully missing from this film yeah <laughs> in the end wow we it's, we got to wrap this up uh, closer 2004 i mean is Why anything is else want to i was Why just going to say that what's this about intimacy, i guess yeah, I, I think about the closer you get, the more is revealed. I kind of look at it that way. The more you get involved with these people on the surface, everybody looks like they're normal and normal. But the closer you get, the more chaos is. But I, I still don't see that being like a clear cut title, I guess. They should call it the aquarium. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they should have. Maybe they should have called it two guys trying to get each other off on the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They, yeah, they, should have called, they should have called put my wet knickers in your mouth. That would have been a good <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh my God. Yeah, that was uh, boy, that seems so dumb. Oh, so also, I'm, speaking I think of, of like music now. British words like knickers, how weird is it when like American uh, like Julia Roberts and American Natalie Portman are talking about like the loo and like putting tea on and all that uh, stuff? It's, yeah. it's always an awkward moment for me in that movie. Like, just say bathroom. You're talking loo. to American. Yeah, that is kind of odd. But she, Alice's character seems like the type of person who really wants to fit in and be on go. That is actually one part of her that I think is obvious, that her desire to feel so worldly. Because she says, you know, I'm a waif and I have no things and I'm on the go. But yeah. 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 But with Julia Roberts, it's like, it's much more clear to me. But in the end, you know, we got to call it what it is here. We got to make our final judgments. Was there anything? I know you wrote a lot of notes, Travis. Was there anything we didn't get to that you really wanted to get to before we cover this? No, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's, there is a lot, but uh, <laughs> no, we're, it's, I, I think we've said, we've, we've said it all. We've said it all. Yeah. Right, well, why don't you go first this time, Travis? 
I I felt like um, you know, as the movie kind of started, I was like, oh, I'm not so sure. You know, uh, the the Damien Rice I love so much isn't holding up as well. <laughs> I mean, I still like it. I do still like the song, but like, I don't know. The the first like half hour or so, I wasn't sure. You know, and there was a there was a few moments in the during while I was watching the movie, I'm like, I, I I'm not so sure. Um, by the time it ended, like you know, I I. I felt very emotionally invested in the film. I felt like um, I was reminded of, of why I had watched it a lot before. I don't think it's the kind of thing you need to watch over and over again. Like, I mean, when I say I watched it over and over again, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, religiously, but it, it but it, so it's not something that you need to see over and over and over and over again. But if it's been since 2004, you've probably forgotten most of the lessons and stuff. And, it, and it's going to hit you differently now that you've lived a little more life. Um, so I would really, I would recommend picking this one up again because I think it holds up. I don't think it's something that you watch, you know, every day, but it's 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 a pretty powerful film. Mike Nichols, man, he, he's a hell of a filmmaker. We didn't hardly talk about him at all, um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna say it holds up. Yeah, that's a fair point. I'll go next. I'd, Mike Nichols, we didn't cover him as much because yeah, so he's a great filmmaker, but I just don't think. He has to do a lot in this film, uh, but maybe he'll be given a lot more credit. Maybe he's not given the credit he deserves for this film, for making everything the way it ended up, for creating the atmosphere and for getting his uh, actors to be more connected you forget, prior you forget to filming. he's there, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he can do that in films like Charlie Wilson's War and other simpler, not complicated films. He's just kind of omnipresent in a sense. And yeah, Closer is... I hate this phrase. No, I'm not going to say a phrase I hate. I refuse to say that. Closer <laughs> oh is a film about people, and it's about relationships. And, uh, yes, they are heterosexual relationships, but there are, you know, undertones of other types of desires going on. This is a universally sexual film regardless. Travis's point early on about the two of them and clearly wanting to dominate, but there's also this homoeroticism going on was really prescient and well thought out. I didn't even consider it. So that's, that's why we do this show. We learn things like that. Um, I don't see any reason to say this movie does not hold up because, again, it goes in this category of films, which we often kind of end up with where you know what's going on and it can be timeless because of the context and the topics that go on here. Love and relationships and passion and desire and control and fear and being lonely. All these things will always be human elements until we become full cyborgs or, you know, we can just be on autopilot for everything and all the apps cover all of our business. But until that day, you could watch closer in 2050 and be like, Oh man, this is interesting. Online dating may be more, it might be really archaic with the online dating part of this movie. Cyber sexting will have changed by then. <laughs> yes, it already has. And I'm sure it'll <laughs> get more uh, ridiculous with that context of the movie. But otherwise everything else, the, the dialogue is so damn good. These lines are so oh. many, quotable lines that you wouldn't necessarily quote at a party but that you would be like they stick with you because they remind you of your own experiences and you can recognize what it is that these characters see in what they're trying to accomplish even if you don't agree with it 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 really establishes things so well and so clearly so this movie definitely holds up for many different reasons and uh, i'm glad that we got a chance to observe this one well that's uh, that's two so far so yeah you know i'll we didn't get a chance to talk about how just rich and gorgeous it's it's shot by Stephen Goldblatt, the cinematographer. 
uh, I was really amazed that this guy was nominated for an Oscar only once, not for this picture, but Batman Forever of all things. <laughs> and it's just, just everything is just such in this beautiful focus. And it's just, I mean, if you're going to have these actors doing their thing, the camera couldn't be in a better place. Uh, it's just photographed so gorgeously. Um, yeah, you know, a, a lot of critics that I read in the, in the in the brief bit I did accuse it of being just like the quote, nothing more than a bunch of sad strangers that are photographed beautifully. Uh, but it's so much more when you look into it. You've got these performances that are, some of them are career best. I mean, you could you could probably have to say that about Clive Owen. Uh, even in a performance this kind of despicable, there's no pleasure in this vitriol. Like, I remember a lot of people in the day quoting like, oh, now fuck off and die. Wouldn't it be awesome to like say this to this like some ex- so one of your exes, a but lot of people. <laughs> I really do. I really do. Um, but but there's so much honesty in here, and you got you. I mean, Jude Law in full pouty mode. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. No one pouts like Jude Law, and he is on fire in this. And one of the things that stood out to me about his character is he's a he writes obituaries, right? And it and it's super easy to just describe or encapsulate people in adjectives or just in a couple of snippy words. And I think the script is defying that in, in terms of its filmic language. It's giving you complex characters that maybe doing some some things you don't dis, you don't agree with all the time, but like you care about them and where their relationships head. Uh, and a, in a lot of ways, you don't in other films that are kind of like this. It's never boring. The pace just clips along. Uh, I, I think it's a great movie that more people need to see. Definitely holds up. All right. Three holds up. Three holds up. Well done, gentlemen. This one's in the can. Another episode of the Cinema 9 podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for viewing and for all your comments and questions, queries about this film. Do you disagree, <laughs> of course? Cinema 9 pod at protonmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram or Twitter, wherever they allow messages to be directed to us. You can feel free to express yourself ever so eloquently or crudely. We welcome all comers. We really do. All right. So for uh, next week's show, we're doing a listener selection game again, which will lead us into our one-year anniversary show, which will be in two weeks oh from today. So, which we already have the movie are we, we're going to wait to reveal that or yeah, let's wait yeah, for we'll, the we'll uh, anniversary one. Um, and we don't have the, um, the movie for next week yet either. The selection game is still going on, but I can tell you it's going to be one of the following movies. It's going to be either trading places, lost oh, in translation, shit. children of men. Speaking of Clive Owen, which I think oh, is oh, oh, shit. predator young guns <laughs> or <laughs> Little yeah, monsters. That's right. Little monsters. Little monsters. Little monsters. How did that that's get in there? Little monsters. Little I have no idea, but it's it's surviving. Isn't this Deary's uh, library? Yes, it we, is. We thank friend of the show and Palazzo podcast co-host Chris Deary for providing the list of films for us to choose from. Uh, so while this is going to very quickly be out of date for people listening in the future, it will be one of those movies in the next episode. Yep. <laughs> Bingo, bango. There it is, folks. Wow. It's going to be a doozy. And then two weeks from tonight, we'll do our one-year episode with our soon-to-be-announced film. We've already chosen it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have uh, tuxedos on. It'll be like one of those uh, anniversary shows like Larry Sanders or Johnny Carson do. We'll, we'll yeah. really... A lot of clips. A lot of clips. Yes, a lot of clips. 
Spare the power spent. The power has gone out in the studio. You guys want to talk about our old episodes via candlelight? We'll just be like, kill your own kind all the time. <laughs> ah, That's right. Yeah. Yes. This is the there old, it is. The old jokes. We'll bring them all back. Ah, so many classics. Yeah, we don't have to do any work. We'll just do clips. Next week, we'll do listener selection when that is chosen. And that will be going until next Wednesday? I mean, it's or, going probably just the next day or so. Like, it's going to... Oh, it'll be done. I mean, there's only those many options left. So, it's, you know, people like a few people are voting a day. So, where can you vote, Travis? You can vote at Facebook.com. Cinema 9 Podcast. We have an official page. So, search us out if you're not already uh, entwined with us and place your vote. Okay, there it is. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, five stars on Apple Podcasts would be a bonus for the show. It helps us grow and expand and reach a further audience so we can continue to learn about more movies. There's a never-ending supply of films out there. Thank you so much for your time. We'll catch you all next time. Why do I feel like a pervert? (laughs) 